Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to healer, teacher, and chi gong master, Chris Shelton. Are you feeling stressed, in pain, and out of alignment with your health? Are you sluggish? Are you ready to level up and get back to your clear, confident, vibrant self? You're going to love listening to Chris today. His holistic teachings are designed to get you out of stress and pain and into your highest natural state of health and well-being. You get to learn how to love life at new levels, align your emotions and body, and create or recreate the results of your dreams. Get ready to listen to one of the most empathetic people I've had the pleasure to meet. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Chris Shelton. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. So much fun. Thanks. I'm so glad that we're getting to do this. First, for anybody who doesn't know, can you explain what Qigong is and Tai Chi also? Okay, so actually, that's a really good question because Qigong is the foundation of Tai Chi. It's also the foundation of acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Qi is the life force energy that emanates through all living things, and Gong is the skill for which we harness this life force energy. And in this case, in the style of Qigong that I teach, is for mental emotional wellness, which then helps to reduce inflammation and, and reverse the process of disease. So when we talk about Qi Gong, we're talking about the skill through using our mind intent in order to harness this life force energy. And for people to have a hard time understanding or conceiving what Qi is, just think of it in terms of blood or fluids inside your body. We have a saying that the blood contains the Qi and Qi moves the blood around the body. And, you know, if you think about it, if you're deficient in blood, you have no energy, right? If you're anemic and those types of things. So, so yeah, so Qigong is this 5,000-year-old practice. And it's, what's really cool about it, too, is that it's not a belief structure. It's something that's been time-tested and it's something that anybody could do. And that's what I love about it the most because it does not discriminate. And that's what I love. Yeah, no, that's so good. Okay. And this is what I was starting to say. So when I was looking you off and doing all this, you have the best YouTubes and you have a six minute morning, very recent one. And so I just, when I started watching, I I just stood up and started doing it and I felt great. You have the best YouTubes and they're so easy to do. And now I understand when I see people doing Tai Chi, I feel like I understand they're holding a ball in their hand or they're holding, like you explained it so easily. And I felt like have this tiny understanding and I have two different friends who teach it. So I oh. like, yeah, the Tai Chi that is. Okay. So it's surprising because you've been doing this a long time and you were actually debilitated with back injury, couldn't get out of bed and everything else. How did you come into this practice? And here you are, pain, not just pain-free, but I mean, you're a master, you teach others and so on. Yeah. So I grew up in a dysfunctional home. And uh, there's a lot of abuse and neglect. In fact, they just got done shooting a short documentary that's hitting all the film festivals next year. And it's showing this journey, the healer's journey. Anyways, uh, you know, I started doing drugs at a young age, at age 12. And yeah, I know you had two heart attacks by like 17, right? 18, yeah. 18, 18, yeah. 18 and 19, yeah. yeah. And after the second one, yeah, I put myself into Taekwondo because I realized I was going to end up dead in prison or both. And I started competing in full contact competitions right away. And then one night before a match, I was 
accidentally kicked in the back and then left me with a devastating back injury who led me to a group of doctors and they wanted to do surgery. Then I went to another doctor and she had a therapist working for her at the time. He was a martial artist and he started talking to me about chi. Now this was over 30 years ago. Nobody was talking about qigong over 30 years ago. Very little about tai chi. And he started talking about chi. Well, I'm like 19 or 20 now. And I'm like, yeah, right. The closest thing to chi I'm going to get is like cheese its and cheese whiz. Like what is this chi thing, right? Anyways, I had other health problems too. I had severe digestive problems where I had every test in Western medicine. I had upper GIs, lower GI. I lived on medications. If I ate a salad and avocado, I was in a fetal position two to three hours later or waking up in the middle of the night vomiting as a result. Or if I had any kind of animal fat whatsoever, let's say like a pork chop, I was devastated. Also, I had chronic sinusitis. I had severe allergies. And so I lived on all kinds of medications. So I started taking these Qigong classes while my back was bending. And there's only two other women in the class. And these women were sensing and feeling things. I wasn't feeling much. In fact, at one point, I thought I was a chi dud because they were talking about all these sensations. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, but what I did notice, though, after about six months, those other health ailments, I couldn't tell you exactly when, but they went away. And I thought, wow, if a simple specific movement and specific meditation could do this to me, then there must be something to the medicine. And that's when I started studying classical Chinese medicine. That would say a lot. Definitely. I mean, you were a butcher. I just find, I that, so, I just find that so fascinating that you were a butcher at this time. too. I just... Well, you know, I was one of those kids that was uh, very driven, even though I was doing drugs. I had an older half brother that was always in trouble with the law. My parents, when they were married, all the attention was going to him. And so I didn't want to be like that. And so I still got my AP studies in arts. So I have two art scholarships that I've never used. Started becoming a butcher at age 15 and a half. I also started, I think it was my sophomore year, I started going to an adult educational school. So I go to high school part-time. Then a bus would come and pick up some of his kids. And I got my class A state brake license. I got my license for overhauling engines and tune-ups and electrical systems. So I thought, okay, if I don't make it as an artist, then I'll be a butcher. If I don't make it as a butcher, I'll be a mechanic. Healer was not even on my mind, but yes, I was a butcher for 21 years. And, you know, I, and back in, when I first started, it was really a craft. It was really, believe it or not, it was really an art form. And so to speak, I know that sounds kind of weird, but it really was. But over time, it really was draining my energy and such. And, you know, when people talk about finding their life purpose, I still didn't know what my life purpose was. I thought it was being an artist. I had a business as a freelance art, art uh, instructor or I would do murals inside people's homes and those kinds of things. But healer wasn't even on my, it wasn't even on my radar. But I'll tell you what, the anatomy, it's going to sound kind of weird, but the anatomy of the animal, I know what this fascia smells like, tastes like. I know what it looks like when there's disease. I know what it looks like when there's cancer in there. No, there's not much difference. So with my patients in clinic, when I touch them, because I'm very hands-on with my patients, I could actually see and remember that. I know it sounds weird, but that's no, really the doesn't. truth. Yeah. It actually doesn't. I just also find it fascinating because if healing's your calling or whatever your calling is, it's going to find you eventually. Yeah, I heard a doctor say, I was at a, I was getting some CEU units a few years back at Yosan University over here in, in off of Wilshire, in Los Angeles. And Dr. Maoching Ni said to the audience, there was a group of physicians and attorneys and such. And he said, a raise of hands of how many people enjoy their job. And only several of us out of about 70 people rose their hands. Ooh, and he said sad. something. It was pretty sad. And he said, <laughs> he goes, you know, 
before you come into this life form, he says, you sign a contract with heaven that you are to find your life purpose because when you find your life purpose, this is how God or the Tao is able to express itself through you. Yeah, I just came from a retreat on the power of awareness and uh, loving kindness and compassion. And it was very much of that ilk and it was pretty great. So how do you help people feel better for people who are listening and like, well, I want that. I want less stress and less pain. And how can I tap into all of that? So we do have the Qigong on Zoom. We have a, a what it's called is the Qi Club. It's every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 8 to 8.30 a.m. We started it through the pandemic because we saw how many people were suffering out there. Besides living in Los Angeles, we also have a clinic in San Jose in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we have government contracts up there. So we got to see the real numbers of the suicides and the spousal abuse and the child abuse. And what we found is at first we started this Qi Club. And we did it for free because we saw so many people losing their jobs and we needed to give them something to deal with the mental, emotional stress and the fear that is surrounding everything and the unknown that is going on. And it just continued. And so we have the Chi Club. And what's nice about it is that we have people from around the world. And if you can't watch the class live, then you could tune into the Zoom later. You have the Zoom uh, recordings for up to a week. I also have the 30 Days of Qigong on YouTube. So if you go to Chris Shelton Qigong on YouTube, then uh, you'll find the 30 Weeks of Qigong, which corresponds uh, with my classes that I used to teach live in San Jose. So it's like you're taking 30 weeks with me at my studio in San Jose. So each day I talk about the practice, why you're doing it according to Chinese medicine, and then how to do the practice itself. And then each day builds on top of that. And then it also corresponds with my first book. And so we have that. So this style of Qigong is self-empowerment, meaning you learn the practices to take control over your own health care. We have a saying that the superior doctor is one that can prevent disease before disease sets in. The great thing about Qigong is that it creates an awareness within yourself to where you become your own superior doctor. So our big mission is self-empowerment. Now, I do see patients in clinic, and that's what brought me into Hollywood and to Los Angeles to begin with because of the high success rate in the San Francisco Bay Area. And at first, we were flying, my wife and I were flying back and forth. We bought our condo here in Burbank uh, back in 2016, but we're flying back and forth. And I had to ask myself, you know, why am I doing this for? Why am I killing myself? Because I don't get starstruck by anybody. I think I told you before we went live, the only person that I did get starstruck over was Maria Shriver. But, you know, I treat everybody the same. And so I realized, well, you know, the next stage in my career is television and movies. So they just got done shooting a short film documentary on me. I was just in a movie this last year with Billy Blanks will be coming out on Netflix where I get to play a cross between Yoda and Mr. Miyagi. So I get to drop <laughs> some um, ancient wisdom in this in this film. And, Which is perfect. Uh, yeah. And then we're going to be shooting a film here for a cooking show on Chinese nutrition. So there's two types. There's the Qigong, like I'm talking about, where you learn these practices for yourself. And then what happens is, is that you apply these daily and it's something that you could do from a seated position or standing position. It's very easy to learn. And what I love about Qigong uh, more than Tai Chi is that Qigong is so simple to learn. Now, Tai Chi is more complicated. And actually, it's a martial art. And I used to compete with it as a martial art. But Qigong is so simple to do. And again, the style of Qigong that I teach is for your mental emotional wellness because according to classical Chinese medicine, the leading cause of death and disease besides poor diet is emotional trauma. 
And what's amazing is, is that when I see a patient in clinic, I have so many tools to diagnose or assess the situation. I could take their pulse, I could look at their tongue, just like the acupuncturists do. But one of the favorite things I like to do is read a person's face. And every feature on a person's face tells me a story of how the person thinks, what kind of trauma that they've been through, their personality, and then more importantly, what potential diseases are possibly stuck inside the body. Oh, that's great. I had another question I was going to ask, but first, you, the lead-in for that was with the breath. I've learned from all the different healers that I've interviewed on here is how everything can be a trauma and that it gets stored in our body. So how do you use breath? Are there any tools that anyone listening can use now for their breathing to breathe through any stored trauma? So yes, so the breath or prana or chi, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. Yes, yes that's true. Emotional trauma can get stuck in the tissues, but what most people don't understand is that different emotions attack different organs of the body, which then shows up as various types of inflammatory types of diseases. I'll give you an example. Your liver houses the negative emotions of anger, frustration, hatred, resentment, and old anger. And we see so many illnesses, colitis, Crohn's disease, eye floaters, TMJ, trigendal facial neuralgia. Depression is a liver dysfunction as a result of those emotions not being expressed appropriately. Fear, when you're afraid of something or if you've experienced something that is shocking, so let's say you survived an illness, a car accident, abuse, trauma, then what happens is that fear and that shock gets stuck in the kidneys. And then we see all types of diseases coming as a result of that. Anxiety affects or over-intellectualizing things too much affects your spleen and your pancreas. And we see numerous conditions from prolapses, like prolapse of the uterus. We see blood deficiencies like anemia. We see numerous conditions that come up. Your lungs are affected by the emotions of grief, sadness, sorrow, loss, disappointment, shame, guilt. And then we'll see numerous uh, conditions like chronic dry cough. For example, a person loses a loved one or their pet runs away or it has to be put to sleep. And all of a sudden they develop this unproductive dry cough. The unproductive dry cough is actually the grief stuck in the lungs. So then the heart is the emperor or empress of the body. That heart of yours is going to dictate how an emotion is going to be expressed or suppressed. And if you think about it, if you're angry, what happens? Your heart races and then attacks your liver and your gallbladder. You know, if you're angry or if you're sad about something, your heart hurts and then weakens your lungs. If you're anxious about something, your heart hurts and then it weakens your spleen and your pancreas. So one of the favorite practices when I'm a keynote speaker and and I go and I give talks on disease prevention and how to beat the burnout. One of the favorite practices that I like to give people is called the dry cry. It's a Qigong practice. The emotions that attack the heart, well, all the emotions attack the heart, but abandonment, loneliness, lack of joy, and actually mania and overjoy will affect the heart. You could actually die of a heart attack from laughing too hard. And if you ever have a laughing attack at something, what's the first thing you do? And everybody does it. They go, ah, why? Because the heart is trying to regain balance again. So what I ask people to do, and there's healing sounds for those five other, those four other organs. So the healing sound for the heart is ha, like laughing. Ha. And what you do is you think of a trauma, past or present. Feel it. Who's involved? What's involved? As you inhale, imagine this pink cloud filling up into the heart. Then as you exhale, lifting the chin. Ha. And allow for that circumstance to leave like a dark cloud and do that over and over again for like five or 10 minutes. Now, it's okay if different thoughts come through your mind. That's okay. 
but I want you to feel it. Now, if you're in public and you're feeling sad about something, instead of suppressing it, which creates inflammation and disease, you do the sound underneath your breath. And no one will know what you're doing, but instead of suppressing, you'll be releasing as it comes up. But again, the difference with this is, is that I'm connecting with the specific organ, the color that affects the organ. So each of these five organs have a different color that affects them or benefits them. Just okay, like they so have the, a different. The pink cloud was for heart. The heart. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, what are pink the other four colors? Yeah, right. Yeah, the color green. So if I'm working on resentment and old anger, I'm going mm -hmm. to focus as I inhale on the liver on the right side of the body. Imagine a green cloud filling into that right side of the body. And then I'm going to focus on that person or event or institution. Uh, there's a lot of things to be angry at right now. And I would focus on that. And then as you exhale, the healing sound for the liver, for example, is shoo. And as we release this anger and this resentment, then what happens is the positive virtue of kindness, creativity. Now, the, a yellow cloud, a yellow or orange benefits the spleen, stomach, and pancreas. Uh, white or gray or silver benefits the lungs. And then blue or black will benefit the kidneys. And actually in clinic, we could tell if a person is deficient in a certain organ by what color clothes that they wear on a regular basis. Interesting. We pay attention to everything. Everything means something in my world. Everything does. So that dry cry, oh, one last thing about that too. Have you ever gotten sad where you feel that stuck feeling in your throat? Mm -hmm. And yeah. okay, so we call that the plum seed effect in Chinese medicine. So in that case, if you have that sad, that plum seed feeling in your throat, then you lift your chin. And as you make the ha sound, you imagine it leaving from the, from the throat, like a dark cloud going several feet away from the body and into the ground. Because we'll see it a lot of times, for example, where maybe a child is taking care of a parent that had cancer and then passed away and all of a sudden... They develop the unproductive dry cough, but they have this stuck feeling here. Then a year later, they develop esophagus cancer. Wow. It's not by accident. So yeah, so those different colors, by the way, those foods then. So, so wait, cooking, which one's for the throat? Oh, the throat would be, well, it's ha with the heart. Um, okay, so it's you, pink? Yeah, so you just imagine as you lift the throat, ah, as you make the sound, that, that circumstance is leaving like a dark cloud going several feet away from the body and down deep into the ground. So unlike conventional therapy, because what's funny is, is that I give talks to the, the Department of Psychiatry also with these types of tools and techniques. And this is my own experience. Unlike conventional therapy, where sometimes I go in and they ask me questions where I relived a situation. It's like they picked the scab off I left there. It's like, oh man, I feel worse than what I did. But <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to... I want you to relive the situation. I want you to pick the scab. But by doing the specific organ movement and or a specific sound, that's how you release the vibration. Okay. So a really quick story. So, be, yeah. so how I met Maria Shriver was that, um, well, after I met Maria Shriver, uh, the Special Olympics was coming to the U.S. for the first time in, I think, 30 years or 50 years. And so she got a hold of the committee and she wanted me to present Qigong on stage for the opening games. Well, there's a lot of hands inside the bucket, so they wanted me to, to prove myself, so I had to perform at UCLA first for the US games, which is fine. Anyways, this gentleman by the name of Brett Lauzef, he's one of the Special Olympic athletes. He's about 24 years old. He got up on stage, 
He saw the three or 4,000 people in the audience. He froze and he walked off the stage. Aww. And so I ran into him and his mom later. And he says, they said, Chris, you know, the problem is, is that I'm one of the torchbearers carrying the torch from Athens, Greece. And I'm supposed to stop in different cities along the way. And I'm supposed to give a speech. I froze once. What happens if I freeze again? And so I gave him the heart healing sound for anxiety. And then I gave him the heart move. Well, guess what? The torch came through Los Gatos, California, up in the San Francisco Bay Area. The police and the mayor escorted him in. He got up on stage, gave him an amazing speech. I ran into him and his mom afterwards. And he's now speaking in front of over 10,000 people because of those two practices. Uh, That's That's so great. Yay. I love that. And I got goosebumps. Okay. So when you were saying all that, that this seems like all the more reason no one should be on medication for their emotions and feelings. Cause how are you ever going to be in touch with them if you don't, although I guess that's like a fine line. That's a fine line. (laughs) Yeah. We won't go there. (laughs) Yeah. Because I do believe in integrated medicine. Uh, sometimes if a person is suicidal, you have to back them off the cliff. Right, right, right. And that's yeah. where, especially antipsychotics and those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. But for anybody who's come into our clinic with depression and anxiety, we've gotten everybody off their medication. Now, the key, though, is, is that the patient has to be the participant in their healing journey. I can't do it all for them. So when people come to you, and I guess this would be a lot of the celebrities and stuff, when they say they're seeking fulfillment, I guess what they're really looking, they want some sort of relief, like inner meaning or something like that. Do you just intuit what they want or do they get to that place on their own or does it just depend? Well, first of all, when people say you have to go see my Chinese medicine practitioner and and then you see me, I have these tattoos and a bald head. Like that's not him. It just depends on the individual. And I don't believe in wasting anybody's time, energy, or money. And so normally if a patient comes in, whether a celebrity or not, they normally have some type of health ailment going on. And my expectation is for them to resolve that health ailment right away. So my second book that's coming out later on this year is on how to fix back problems from the cervical spine all the way down to the lumbar. So I'm teaching people how to do it. And when I tell people that back issues are easy to fix, they laugh at me like I'm crazy. And I'll give you an example about emotions for showing up as disease. So neck issues, cervical issues, I don't care if it's cervical arthritis, cervical stenosis, it doesn't matter what it is. Unless you're doing jujitsu and someone popped your shoulder out or you're a, a ball player and you popped your shoulder out pitching, every single shoulder or frozen neck issue that I saw, I've ever seen, always comes back to emotions that affect the heart. I'm going to give you an example. So Mike Kroger, uh, the guitarist for Nickelback, for the rock and roll band Nickelback, came in to my office in San Jose, flew in. Some of our people in Chicago told him, you know, Mike, before you go have that neck surgery, why don't you, you know, go talk to Chris? Anyways, you can see the cervical arthritis in his x-ray. It was apparent. And so he flew in. And so I said to Mike, I said, so, you know, what was going on two years ago before this pain started showing up? And he goes, no, I think, I think really it was just, you know, the stress of being on tour I think the way that I hold my guitar on stage. And then he paused and he thought about it. And he said, you know what? Actually, two weeks before this, the pain showed up, my horse died. Uh-huh. So his horse died. He took care of business like we all did do. Went back on tour. And then one day his body said, you can pretend like that didn't hurt you, but it did. And so what's funny is, is that he did a testimonial for me on YouTube for the TV show Celebrity Sweat. On that interview, he said that I got rid of his arthritis in 30 minutes. 
actually what I did was I facilitated his body to do what it wanted to do, which was to heal. Now, what yeah. about somebody who's had, luckily, I don't have the pain, but what, somebody who had surgery already, but they're still in pain. It didn't work. Can you still yes. help them? Okay, let's just talk about this fight. Because of all the diseases that I see, inflammatory diseases, I see depression, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we were even helping patients with, with COVID through this whole thing successfully. And uh, of all the diseases I see, back issues are number one. And they do not discriminate. You know, back in the 70s when I was a kid, the only people who got back pain were couch potatoes and people that were obese. That was it. Nowadays, it's the professional athletes. And so what I tell, it doesn't discriminate age uh, male or female, like it's everywhere. So I realized like, oh, shoot, like, why is this happening? And I realized that our sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for our fight or flight mechanism mm -hmm. in our body, which according to Chinese medicine, the liver influences, it's on all the time. This psoas muscle, which controls your spine from the lower lumbar all the way up to the thoracic spine, is controlled by that muscle. That muscle is massive. It's the muscle that if somebody was beating or attacking you, allows you to curl up into a ball right away. When somebody's attacking you, you don't do a back bend because, because then you'll be exposing all your value, you know, delicate organs, right? And so, yeah, so what I tell people is, is that if you do have hip problems or if you do have side nerve problems, say down the left leg, if you get the surgery and you didn't fix the root of it to begin with, guess what? A year or so later, it's going to show up on the opposite side. So what's the root of something like that? Well, the root of it always comes back to the psoas, but we have to look at how much stress is in the person's life. What is going on? How much resentment do they have? How much old anger do they have? Because if you think about it, sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, going back to what I talked about, about the liver, liver being affected by anger and resentment. If you're angry, most people want to fight, right? So your body is in this heightened state of contraction. When you fight, most people don't fight open-handed, though it's a very effective system. Most people clench their fists, right? When people are, have a lot of frustration and they like to grind their teeth, they get, they get TMJ because there's so much of this angst. So the sympathetic nervous system is active. And then that psoas thinks, oh, I'm in protection mode. I need to protect the rest of this organism so it doesn't get attacked. The problem is, is that the psoas attaches on both sides of the spine. Both sides will be tight. Whatever side is tighter, then that's where we see the compression on the vertebra, on the disc for which it then impinges the nerves that come out of the spinal canal, which then influence, depending on where the uh, impingement is or compression is, will influence what type of pain that they'll have, like drop leg syndrome, those types of, types of things. How do they know if they have anger or resentment, or if they don't even, aren't aware? You're saying it's repressed, it's... You know, some of the worst diseases I see are people that are just completely out of touch with their emotions, especially anger. So common cases like lupus, Lyme disease, the common thread with those people. I thought most Lyme patients, disease is from a mosquito or something. Am I completely uh, off on that? Maybe I'm wrong. I'm, can no, get it. I'm not that medical. I shouldn't even be asking you. <laughs> you can get it from a tick. True. A tick. Okay, a tick. <laughs> but the amount of diagnosed cases of Lyme disease, it doesn't add up in my in my mind. Oh, tick, the ratio you mean of tick to Lyme tick, yeah. Tick, yeah, I know. Tick, I grew yeah. up on the East Coast. We always had ticks and we would just take them out. You definitely can get it from a tick. That's for sure. Now, but I'm most like, of the my cases... hair. I'm like, <laughs> right. my hair. And I have a ton of hair. This is like product. Lots of product. I have big, huge hair. 
I have, big so Jew- I have big Jewish hair, you know, like, big Jewish big, hair. So funny. like the fro, you know, like <laughs> that is put funny. me back in the humidity and it's a fro, <laughs> <Unbelieve me. laughs> That's funny. I have hair like, uh, what's his name from Chips? Um, that's Vester Solo from Chips. Yeah. Eric Estrada. Yeah, yeah. If I let my hair grow, my hair is like that. Yeah. And even if I smile, I have that little twinkle on my teeth. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so what people don't understand is that these emotions are good. They are a barometer. God gave us these emotions because they are a barometer of what's going on in our environment. When we suppress or disengage for whatever the reason from a certain emotion like anger, then the body says, okay, guess what? We're going to start shutting down parts of your body until you get it or until you die. It could get that drastic. Yeah. And so my job when a patient comes in and I'm doing the Q&A with them I've seen thousands of patients. My job is not to force feed them that there's some still past emotional trauma or anger or whatever in their body. My job is to present the opportunity because like I tell them, if I still see that line or feature on your face, which shows me a specific emotion or trauma, that means that that is still there somewhere in your tissues. Okay. Yeah. So the face doesn't lie. The face tells us, it tells us everything. It tells us if a person cheats it tells us if they lie a lot i mean it tells us how giving they are with their money and their energy we could tell how well a person invests by looking at their face i mean we tell all kinds of things but yeah it's a lot of fun yeah did you read body language when people are talking i one of my first people i interviewed she said okay for people that neither of us are doing online dating she said when when somebody goes to touch their nose like that it means it means they're lying or getting ready to lie so if you're online really? dating, watch it. yeah i had no idea i, like, I, I find <laughs> that, that so fascinating i'm like oh what else <laughs> like really yeah well you you, you can tell you because if a person has a crooked mouth that's normally the telltale sign that they lie Ooh. okay or you, if uh, you have a friend and you want to tell them a secret, uh-huh. any friend that you have or anybody you know that when they're looking, let's say, on their phone and they have their mouth open, let's say they're working on something on their phone or they're reading or writing something and their mouth is open like this, that means that you can't tell them anything personal because those secrets will fall out of their mouth. Oh, I like that. Okay. That's yeah, good. I use it for diagnosis, but... You know, I teach classes on this as well, too. And it's really sad because face reading is a lost art. It was developed thousands of years ago because Chinese medical doctors at the time thought it was inappropriate to touch women to diagnose them. So they had to come up with a way of diagnosing. And now what I do is I teach for attorneys. I teach for HR. You know, I teach for personal relationships because if you see a feature on the face that doesn't align with you, uh, eventually it's going okay. to show itself. Does that work in your, for yourself also? Like, or are oh, you kind of blind for your own? Like, you know how we are in our own relationships? You don't, like, are you good in your own relationships for that kind of stuff? So when I met my wife, I read her face. Okay. Yeah, over mango margaritas. Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so what's the hardest challenge that you've overcome? And how'd you do it? Gosh, the universe has given me a lot of challenges. I don't know which one's the hardest one. I think the most recent is the reality of letting go. And especially with kids. You know, Eckhart Tolle said it best. He said in one of his books on tape, he said, just because we birthed the child doesn't mean that we own the child. And I have four kids. I was married twice before. And yeah, and one of the things you just really have to do is come to a place of acceptance that they are their own soul on their own journey. So I would think that's the hardest thing 
because the misconception, because of what my wife and I do for a living is that we sit at home, eat vegetables and meditate all day. I think you're an entrepreneur, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're busy. We do have a very blessed life. That's for sure. But I have the same things that come up in my life that everybody else does. The only difference is I have these tools that I've been practicing now for over 30 years that I implement when things come up. And so, and I'm very aware of my body. I'm aware if something's affecting me. So like what Eckhart Tolle says too, I, and I apply it to my own life. If there's a situation with somebody, for example, I ask myself the honest question, can I not say anything and then leave this alone? Or do I say something and then leave it alone? So I check in, I have a verbal dialogue with myself as to how I'm going to conduct myself. And even if my ego is out of place, I will check in with my ego. I will have a conversation with that ego. And sometimes the ego wins, but at least I have awareness that the ego is driving it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our kids have their own path and their own higher power. <laughs> yeah. The other thing too, is if anybody's an entrepreneur out there, if you desire to do something, it's scary starting off. Every single step that I've made has been scary. When I was a butcher, after I finished my first four years of Chinese medicine, I was a single father of two kids. I was a single father as a meat manager working 48 hours a week and volunteering at my kids' school. I didn't know how I was going to start. So I just sat on it for two years. When I got offered to get into a clinic two years later in Los Gatos, California, the conversation was on a Wednesday night about coming into this clinic. By Friday, out of fear, I talked myself out of why I should do it. And I talked myself out of wanting to do it all together. So when I picked up the phone to call her, her name was Janet. I went to tell her no. And then I heard a voice say, this is your last chance this lifetime. And so I took a chance. Now I was living paycheck to paycheck back then, you know, single father living paycheck to paycheck. I didn't know how I was going to start up a clinic and stuff like that, but things worked out. And then as my business grew, I bit off more. I expanded, slowly expanded. And then, you know, for the first four years that I, that I started Morning Crane, because that's the name of the company, it's the Morning Crane Healing Arts Center. The first four years, I averaged about three to four hours of sleep a night because I was doing both. And then I got it to where as a manager, which was unheard of, because as a meat manager, as a meat cutter, period, you could not work less than 40 hours a week. And so I got it to where I was only working 20 hours a week and to keep my health benefits, because that was a scary thing too. What if I quit and retire? I had 100% medical. I had 100% orthodontics, 100% dental. I care, everything was 100%. My co-pays were like $5. And so when I finally retired after 21 years, because it got too much, I was getting burnt out. You know, it was interesting because I only worked Friday, Sunday, and uh, part of the day on Monday. After I retired, two weeks later, my patient load filled up on Friday and, and those Mondays. And so every step of the way was scary, but your perseverance. And I even had my mentor who I studied with for 11 years try to sabotage me. I had family members try to sabotage me uh, that thought I was living a pipe dream that, uh, you know, I was doing some kind of cuckoo type thing or something. And, you know, and it started to take the, I'll be honest, it started to take the wind out of my sail a little bit, but then I persevered. I took all their ill attention or lack of faith and I turned it into faith into myself. Yeah. You know, when you start taking the action steps towards your dream, the universe rises up to meet you somehow. I don't know. It just does. Taking those steps like you did to build it, whatever it is, it's our dream. It just works. It does. This is what you're meant to do, obviously. I mean, you're amazing at it. You can tell. Go ahead. Oh, no, it's fun. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. And what's interesting is, is that the stage I'm at right now in my career is that I'm not looking for more patience. 
what I'm looking for is I'm looking for students because I could teach this to other people. So at the end of August, we have a two-year mastermind program starting. Uh, The prerequisite is that you have to do our uh, level one and level two Qigong teacher training program. And if you're interested in looking into that program, it's uh, qigongteachertraining.com. We're going to have all your everything, all your links are Okay. For everything are going to be on the website. Yeah. We'll have the teacher training, your book, your next book when it comes out will be on there, which okay, we're excited about. I mean, it's perfect that it's on, you know, and all of that. Yeah. And I love that it's on the spine and because that makes sense. <laughs> Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Message of hope is that even in the darkest hour, always hold on to that little glimmer of light because the light will always outshine the darkness. And if you approach life that way, then even with everything that's going on in society right now and around the world, don't get caught up into the negativity. Look at the light and you be that beacon of light because in order to create change, you have to change yourself. And how do you change yourself? You change your paradigm for what you think. And so if you're thinking negative thoughts and if you're only listening to negative things, it's going to be hard for you to become positive. So in order for you to be that beacon of light, Yes, educate yourself, be aware of what's going on in the world, but be that beacon of light and be mindful over what you think. It's a vibration. There's a Taoist master that said this, Master Hua Jingni, he said, just like fish are unaware of the vastness of the ocean for which they swim in, us humans are unaware of the vastness of chi for which we swim in. So true. So if you look at it that way, our thoughts vibrate outward and connect with other people of the same or similar vibration. And so be mindful of your thoughts, hold on to the light because nothing, no amount of darkness. And I've been in some pretty dark times. I've seen some darkness. I've been around dark people, no matter how much darkness there has ever been in my life, holding on to that glimmer of light, which is hope and faith always outshines the darkness. Uh, That's great. Yeah. It reminds me of whatever we focus on grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. what we think about, we bring about, it's really the truth. And I'll be honest, even the growing of my clinical practice is that uh, I believe that we can manifest what we want in our life. But you have to take action steps. It's not just thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I want this. You know, we still have to take the action steps to get there. But yeah, and so what I love about Qigong is that it changes your vibration. It raises your vibration. And if War and stuff like that and racism and and bigotry and stuff like that, look at it as a vibration. It's a very low vibration, very low vibration. So you raise your vibration. And if you raise your vibration, then you help to raise other people's vibration. And then that's how you create change. When people say we have to put the war on drugs, uh, the war on racism, you know, or whatever, if you pay attention, you're saying the word war. So that's all you're bringing. So change the verbiage, change what you're saying change how you're thinking, be mindful of how you're thinking and what it's is opposite. And let's have more love instead, oh, more awareness. That, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Oh, thank you so much for being a guest today. I'm 52 weeks of hope. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. This, yeah. Thank you yeah. for having me. And I'm so glad it worked out. So glad that uh, I was able to meet you. Yeah, me too. This is great. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take you with you Chris's messages of energy, belief, and alignment. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for an uplifting episode all about overcoming challenges and how to take that next step and create your best life. 
There's a lot on how to be your most confident self too. It's really great with a lot on imposter syndrome and how to walk through your fears. There's a quiz on our website at 52weeksofhope.com about do you self-sabotage? It's very fun and it's enlightening. So that's at 52weeksofhope.com. And also we invite you to join our community. So you can do that by going over to the website and also at the Facebook page at 52weeksofhope.com. And it's a very safe space for us to get to know each other. And we have Zoom meetings where we just interact with each other. And like I said, it's a safe space. If you're driving, you can just text 52HOPE to 66866. That's 52, the numbers, HOPE, H-O-P-E, to 66866. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.